Greetings, and welcome to Beatles Stuffology, where two old friends sit around and talk BS, Beatles stuff, on a track-by-track -track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McCrory, and I'm here with my co-host Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. How are you doing this week? I'm doing very well, and I think one of the reasons I'm doing very well is that I'm looking forward to uh, talking about the song today, um, because it's, um, although perhaps not necessarily lyrically the most... Um, you know, upbeat and up tempo, um, but actually musically, it's it's one that that carries um, some punch, which I really really like. So it's it's going to be nice rather than than talking about some of the the middling songs, shall we say, that um, that occasionally dot a hard day's night. Um, it's nice to be returning to an old favourite um, in a song that is. I I, I was going to call it all my loving, but actually I, I'm going to call it son of all my loving. Well, that's right. This week we are tackling Son of All My Loving, or to put it another way, things we said today. Uh, but before we get stuck in, we are persisting with this segment. You can really get a hold of us until somebody actually tells me to stop doing it. So uh, you can contact us by email. We are Beatlesstuffology at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Beatles underscore ology. Uh, you can find my writing at www.jgmacquarie.scot. And you can read some of Andrew's writing at www.stuffology.co.uk. So... Things we said today. What, what what have we said today, Andrew? Um, we've said that um, this this is for me the standout track on on side two. I think side two um, uh, of this album is a little bit kind of monotonous in places. I mean, good, but monotonous. But here we get something that that um, fizzes um, and is just kind of bursting with with life and ideas and there's there's little nuggets of of gold in there that that make this one of those uh one of those standout tracks and I, i'll give you an example of what i mean it's, I, I don't think it's necessarily uh although of course people will intellectualize it and talk about the whole kind of future nostalgia uh element of the lyrics the thing that, that i really like is the way that the chorus leads back into um the verse the fact that you almost get to you, know, you think you're getting to the end of, of the sentence, if you like. You think we've reached the punctuation at the end of the chorus, but actually, no, it continues straight in. Um, and, and so it gives it that, that sort of seamless feel, which also gives it a very energetic, upbeat, lively feel. And when you combine that with the fact that, despite the fact he could have done one of the things that, that annoys me, thanks, Paul, I really appreciate the fact that you, you know, many years before, well, a few years before I was born, decided not to do this he didn't go screechy. He's gone very kind of subtle um, on on his vocals on this. So, you know, th those little things just work. The fact that it's not overboard on the vocals, it's it's subtle, but it's meaningful. Um, and that, that sort of little playing with, with form. Um, now, whether that's deliberate or whether that is, as I possibly suspect, not say laziness, but lack of time, um and and the fact that perhaps couldn't really be bothered to to refine the lyrical feel because actually it sounded okay and uh, as long as it sounds okay we'll we'll go with it that seemed to be one of their their mantras at that point um to be honest it doesn't really bother me um the fact is for whatever reason it really works um and it really kind of packs a punch just at a point where you sort of think, oh, right, okay, we're, we're kind of halfway through this, so we've had a couple of songs that aren't in the film, and we can see why they're not in the film. 
and then you get this and you suddenly you're kind of like meerkat perking up again going ah ah i remember i remember what it was like what about you i i also really like this song i i think it's um probably also the highlight of side two of the album although uh-huh I mean, it's, is there a lot of competition for that? I mean, well, you know, there um, is. There's, there's you can't you know. do that, which I think we discussed on the last episode is a brilliant song with um, rather less than brilliant lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but, but it is, but this it is, is a brilliant this, song. This, this is the whole thing, though. Um, that's the thing. The only other one that I think really stands a chance of, of coming close to it. Oh no! Even that's not really true. No, never mind. No, I think this probably is the highlight of season two. Which, which, season two, side two, even. Which one were you thinking? Um, I mean, I suppose the only other one I would say that that's really in contention is maybe any time at all. It's got a lot yeah. of energy to it. It is a, it's a pretty great song. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it could really, uh, I don't think it could really uh, hold a candle to things we said today. And it is that that. Um, construction it's a really really well constructed song the idea that this kind of uh you know very warm lyric really um you know which has of course yeah like you mentioned the, the the future nostalgia thing but it's it's very warm it's very loving it's very very characterful but it's not schmaltzy it's not really overly sentimental it's definitely not a conventional love song that coupled with what you mentioned about the, the 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 pace of the lyrics which don't don't let up there isn't um there isn't a real space for anything other than what is there it's not the the momentum and feel of the song is not broken up by unnecessarily instrumental parts it does have the the bridge or the middle eight um which does that shift up into the major so it pulls itself out of the the a minor into the uh a major um, oh, 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 that gives oh, another. Oh, can I can I ask? Go on, can go I on, ask? go on. Right, okay. Yeah. Can, um, um, as, as obviously you're the um, the more musical uh, of the two of us in terms of actually being able to play an instrument with more than one or two strings. Um, yeah, bear in mind what you're talking about there. Can I just run this past you from the McDonald book, where he says that things we said today is uncharacteristic in its ominous mood and the obsessive horizontal pull to the tonic in its melody is this that does that bear any relation to what you just said um yeah sure okay yeah, i should need to explain need to expand on that <laughs> <laughs> yes please yes please i'm not throwing you under the bus okay. here honest all right no good that's that's uh, more more under the entire fleet um yeah no it's uh, it is so the ominousness of it that comes from the fact that it's it most of the song is minor so it's a minor e minor seventh uh b flat those are the three main chords on on the verses so it is very minor if you look at the other songs in the album um they're really mostly up tempo even 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 um well let's see let's have a wee look down here even even the stuff that isn't kind of is but i mean you're opening with a hard day's night i should have known better okay then you've got if i fell um happy just to dance with you and i love her and i love her is a very traditional kind of ballad though um so the ominousness that comes through that is definitely something which is pretty much unique to this song at least as far as this album is concerned there isn't anything else that you could apply the word ominous to you could mm. 
maybe raise a question for the lyric of you can't do that but it's not ominous it's just threatening i don't i don't know that i um i don't know that i would use the word ominous for it um so, so that sure let's I, let's go with that <laughs> i i would maybe sort of see that if there is an ominous mood it's um essentially coming from that that almost relentless acoustic guitar of 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 lennon and it's quite nice to hear um acoustic rhythm guitar played uh in this way but it, it does add that you know, um, happy strum along, and yet also, I suppose, if I take it from you, that we're we're dealing with minor chords, uh, something that is is a little bit more downbeat in its upbeat nature. Hang on a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's but, it's, but, it's 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 drawing attention. That's what it's yeah. doing. It's producing attention between the lyrics, which have this kind of warm, uh, kind of loving aspect to it, and this kind of yeah, this very kind of minor key um kind of stuff so that 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 produces a tension within the song and that's where some of the drama a lot of the drama comes from in it when when he's talking about horizontal in this sense so here we go this now i i I hope i get this right because otherwise i'll get crucified but i'm pretty sure i'm right when i say this the the chords which are moving around in that verse a minor e minor seventh and b flat they're all really really close to each other um, so rather than jumping literally up and down the scale, so if you're looking at a musical staff, uh, a musical stave, uh, a vertical melody or a vertical chord structure would be one which is going up and down and up and down. And that's quite common with McCartney. He, he tends to throw in a lot of chords. It tends to be all over, um, all over the stave. It tends to be something which is uh, full of variety, lots of different uh, bits and pieces getting chucked in. A horizontal structure only moves very little. So you're just moving like, a tone up or a couple of tones up or semitone down and that's referred to as horizontal and that is a characteristic which is more typical of John Lennon if you take a song like say uh, Ticket to Ride the entirety of that um, yeah. that verse from uh, uh, I think it's gonna I think I'm gonna be sad right up until the chorus uh, she's got a ticket to ride is all in one chord it's just an A all of that there's a melody that goes around it but the chord structure is, is literally horizontal because there's no change in it at all if you look at it on a, on a, on a musical stave so that's the difference between a horizontal and a vertical so okay. does that clarify well, things i mean that, that works quite nicely and it does suggest that he's not talking out of his backside when he goes on to say that it resembles more lennon than, than mccartney however yeah, exactly. I've, I've deliberately chosen to refer to it as uh, son of all my loving um, because I think it has a lot in common. I know that All My Loving does, if you like, veer more towards the vertical than the horizontal. Please just stick in a, a pretentious klaxon mm-hmm. if that's even close to being accurate. Um, but it's the feel of the song. I mean, you know, I, I'm not able to talk about those kind of specifics, but I like to talk about the feel and the emotional response that you get. And it's the pace of those songs, a kind of similarity of pace and the way in which they they develop and they they sort of you know repeat as well that I find much more um, in common than say um, you know Ticket to Ride or Hard Day's Night, which don't have the same oomph for me as um, as all, um, all my loving and things we said today. Now that could be because as I've said before, I've I've got that familiarity with those other ones that you 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 know in and out whereas these ones you do know but they're not quite as common um so there, there's something there that i think um is is worth considering however there's something else that, again you know let's let's sort of give mcdonald i mean we we do sort of sometimes say mcdonald's a bit of a 
um, a bit of a buzzkill on the Beatles at times, but actually um, something then that um, that you're referring to there, again, he would support where he talks about the uh, dramatic contrasts um, in things we said today as being something that, you know, becomes a lot more common um, in, in Beatles songs, especially, you know, one song, um, Beatles for Sale talks about, you know, Babes in Black, Every Little Thing, Don't Want to Spoil the Party, um, for example. So, yeah, you can definitely see that the, um, you know, the chorus does have a dramatic shift from the verse. And I think nowhere is that more um, obvious than in, in some of the um, the live performances. But, you know, we'll, we'll get on to talk about the live performances perhaps in, in, in a little bit first. I just want to return to um, the the lyrics because although I said, you know, they, they don't really kind of matter that much, I think there's a reason for me why they, they don't matter that much. And again, it's that, that whole sense of um, the feel. And I think that McCartney presumably got to the point where he thought, well, this, this says what I needed to say. I don't need to, um, I don't need to refine it. Because when you look at them, if you were to sort of look at them quite closely, um, you know, there, there are the odd lines which just jar, which just don't seem as though they've been completely written. So you might have, you say you'll be mine, girl, till the end of time. Okay, that's fine. These days, such a kind girl seems so hard to find. Okay, right. There's there's something that's really forced about that that sentence construction, and I wonder if it's it's just a case of you know on the the on the ship out in the Caribbean, um, you know, strumming along, getting the song right. You think, oh, that sounds good. I'll just write that down, and they're never bothering to go back and and to really change it, but it works. And that's that's such an important thing. And I, I'll give you a modern example. Um, I don't think it's, I think it's a band I haven't mentioned before, but it's one who I absolutely love, and that's uh, Teenage Fan Club, um, who've been through many kind of variations in terms of the way in which they um, their styles of music. But a couple of albums ago, they had a song called um, Baby Lee, which is a beautiful song. It's one of those those melodies that I think you probably end up writing going. This has got to exist somewhere else. This can't be an original thing that I've come up with. It's absolutely wonderful. But then when you look at the lyrics, you just think, oh, this is just hogwash. Absolute hogwash. This is just a bunch of words that don't make any sense, that don't even seem to properly fit the um that don't even seem to properly fit the well, they don't properly scan. Um and what I'll do now, what you can hear in the background is me tapping away at the keys. Um, because what I forgot to do was bring up on the screen the uh, the actual lyrics. Here we go, folks. This is scintillating audio, isn't it? Um, okay, so the chorus goes, Baby Lee, I'm only trying to remind you. They had me in mind, oh yeah, when they designed you. And Baby Lee, I'm always watching from a distance. Oh, marry, marry me. Oh, baby, now I am insisting. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage but it doesn't matter because the whole song works. And that's what we get here. Um, there's there's too many words in there. There's a deliberate attempt just to kind of fill um, the um, fill the line with O's and oh yeah, oh baby, the repetition of Mary um, and the, the really awkward sentence construction. But it doesn't matter because the song's just absolutely fantastic. It's, it's worth a listen, even if you will cringe and go, oh, come on guys, couldn't you've written something better? And that's kind of how I feel when we get to those lines. 
um, like, you know, these days such a kind girl seems so hard to find. You think, that's just a bit cringy. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Right, rant about lyrics over. Yeah, um, sorry about that. Yeah, that's quite, quite all right. I mean, you I mean, you have got a point. There are definitely a couple of lines in there which are which are a bit clunky. For me, it's the uh, me. I'm just the lucky kind, and and rhyming it with and though we may be blind, um, yeah. and though we may be yeah. blind is fine. But me, I'm just the lucky kind. That's not a thing. Yeah. That's oh. not an expression. Um, and that that maybe could have done with a wee bit of work. But again, like it's fine. That like the and I think the other thing that's something that we haven't really mentioned yet is the quality of McCartney's performance is also more than good enough to overcome any sort of slight lyrical hiccups. Yeah. You know, I think he do, really does deliver a phenomenal vocal here and it's all him, you know, there's 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 nobody else on the recorded version, although obviously there are in the live ones. Yeah. But he's he's really, he's putting his heart into it, but it's not the usual kind of McCartney heart where it's, you know, very, very much being kind of, you know, worn on his sleeve in a kind of classically sort of balletic sort of, sentimental style i suppose here i mean there's real feeling there's real depth of emotion in this but it's it's really what's driving the performance and and yeah that does manage to overcome these little sort of slightly off kilter lines from time to time no, i would agree and um there's there's an inconsistency in the lyrics as well in terms of they're in the future they're together or are they not together or are they not together but wishing they were together and when they're remembering these things that they've said, are they together remembering them? Are they part remembering them? And what impact does it has if they're not together? And why are they not together? Um, and again, it doesn't really matter. But I, I would be interested in, uh, at some point, I haven't yet, maybe, dear listener, we should do this for the sake of the, uh, um, you know, authenticity, uh, is to read the McCartney, <laughs> uh, read the McCartney lyrics book. Um, but my worry is that, what I'm going to find is there's that sort of retrospective intellectualizing um, that he may possibly have done from time to time. Um, it's not impossible. It's not impossible, but certainly if you you look at some of those, um, you know, analytical websites, you know, genius.com, where you can just post any old crap and, and intellectualize it, the, the whole thing about the lucky kind and love is luck and though we may be blind you know it's, it's it's like apparently it's really clever because like you know you can be both lucky in love but also love is blind so what he's doing there he's contrasting those you know think okay that's fine if you want to think that's what he's done rather than just sort of pulling together some words and then afterwards um you know fitting it to to the idea that you've got that's great if on the other hand it was a genius uh, moment that he had you know great it doesn't matter to me either way um the fact is that um at that point you know you say that that you're not particularly struck on 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 that section lyrically i say well, that's great because i don't really hear the whole sentences what i hear is the change of tempo um and i hear that that sort of you know extra kind of beat in his his voice that's that's really sort of saying do you know what this bit this bit is the bit you need to focus on this is where the song really kind of kicks into gear um so you know i i i hear the word lucky i don't really hear the word kind um you know it's just kind of the way he he emphasizes it so for me yeah i i would agree if i'm looking at them uh black writing on a white background and and they look a bit kind of right yeah sorry you know wigfield saturday night if you like um, not not that bad, but Ouch. but just 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 trying to you, <laughs> you know, take that you know, back, sir. I, I I do I take that back. Um, you know, however however kind of anodyne it is, 
it's still much better, much more cohesive than anything Roger Waters attempted to, to write. So uh, there you go. So sue me, Roger. Um, after you've obviously worried about all the other lawsuits, lawsuits you've got on at the moment. Um, it, it, but, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it's you know, the, you hear the words you want to hear and, and you get an emotional response to it. And, you know, the combination of, of the kick in the vocals, the kick in the rhythm um, and, you know, the luck, you know, perhaps the hard, you know, CK sound, um, you know, the repetition of love. Uh, that you get in there kind of the, the hard all right so kind and blind is is a bit dull but the fact that it ends kind blind really adds an emphasis to it just when the song needs it as opposed to some of those you know line ends earlier which are dreaming say remember today they kind of drift off but here you get kind luck and blind which does add that little bit of a of a punch at the end because of those harder sounds at the end of the line and it works. Oh my God, that almost sounded like analysis, didn't it? Well, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll try and swerve away from that in in, in a in a moment because we don't want to get dragged down in anything as as grubby as as, uh, as analysis. Yeah, it's also it's also um, hit the other, the other... as well. Bearing in mind, I'm talking about other people intellectualizing it, uh, and here I am. Let's let's talk about the uh, uh, the rhyme and the line endings. But you syllable counts. Well, it's all right. You haven't you haven't started talking about this being uh, McCartney's first brush with the unreliable narrator. So I think we're doing all right in that front. Um, but I think it's also it's also one of those times that it, it, it bears repeating. I know we've mentioned it before in the podcast, so it's not an original thing to point <laughs> it's out. It's not going to stop us. I'm going to point it out again anyway, which is that you know lyrics aren't poetry. They're not designed to be read on the page. You know, performance is part of what a lyric is, and and it's an important part. Um, so the way that it's delivered, the way that it's sung is, is, is a significant, you know, qualitative factor in how those lyrics work. And I think you're exactly right about the very hard stop and kind duh, blind duh. On the page, that looks a bit flat, but when it's actually delivered as, uh, as, as a vocal performance, it adds a punch. And you've got Ringo coming in there as well, so you've got a little bit extra on the percussion, which is helping to kind of emphasize that that whole kind of, yeah, that sharp staccato kind of stop on the words there. That's really, really effective. So, yeah, I mean, even though if I criticize slightly the line, me, I'm just the lucky kind, it could have been refined like in terms of the, the the performative part of it like it's it's phenomenal it works exactly as it's supposed to are you suggesting an alternative rhyme there the lucky kind could have been refined uh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah okay and let's, let's let's move on yeah, what, i'm not going to take responsibility for rewriting the cart while, so. while <laughs> there you, you mentioned the extra um percussion from from ringo in that section but let's let's be let's be brutal about yeah. this it's a tambourine and boy does he hammer that tambourine um that yeah. really does help you know emphasize the rhythm it's great it's you know for me it's up there with the the great cowbell moments that we've had so far um, just something different um, that gets thrown in that that adds to the rhythm. I think is is yeah really welcome because I think otherwise it's a it's a very solid song for for Ringo. He obviously drives the the rhythm, especially when it when it kicks up a gear. But the tambourine, you know, here we are talking about tambourine. What's gone wrong? Um, it it just that extra little thing that kind of lifts it further, and it's that whole. Thing that we've spoken about before about it's what's best for the song you know what can we add here that is going to drive the song forward and make it even better hmm. let's try some tambourine sure 
Well, and on the on the outro as well, that's the other place where the tambourine really makes a difference because it's coming in on the offbeat, and that adds a little something, just that extra little touch of drama as the song fades out, which is also just a lovely little touch, and it's one of those moments where you think most people wouldn't have thought to do that, yeah. and they did, and it just really adds something. So, yeah, all praise to the tambourine, that's what I say. Yeah. And does, does it not strike you then, like, where you mentioned that, that this is one of those kind of like perfect song endings as well? Oh God, yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. The ending to this song was just amazing. It's such a, it's such a simple thing. It, it it shouldn't be kind of as as effective as it is. But that 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 last line, like then we will remember things we said today, and the day is just held yeah. for that little bit longer. Then the then then you get the acoustic. Then you get the uh, extra tambourine coming in. It's just flawless. Yeah. And it, it's interesting as well that they. Um... It was um, written during a holiday in a, um, in a break after the filming and after most of the songs for the album were recorded. And then it's, it's the penultimate track that's recorded for the album. Barely a month before its release is right at the start of June. But of course, it it sort of feels like it's quite in keeping. This is where I'm going to um, yeah be a little bit of a hypocrite because I said I feel it's more of a, um, a McCartney song than, than a Lennon one. Um, but it's kind of in keeping with with some of the things from side one in particular um, um i should have known better it kind of has the same you know bounce and verve to it that that does so it's something that could have been in the film it's something that you could have imagined them perhaps playing as part of their their performance in the the tv program section so he's he seems to have you know written something that you know encapsulates the film but obviously a little bit too late um, but it still goes on side two. Um, and, and the other thing then is, is you know, if we're going to do the sort of like the, the looking forward, well, let's also bear in mind this is only two months before they start recording Beatles for Sale, which is, is just amazing. Um, and when, when we were talking about Can't Buy Me Love, we talked about the fact that the recording started in Paris um, and then they went to America and all of the things that, that happened in America... Um, you know were were amazing they came back they finished the song so there's that that kind of gap well here we have um them recording this song um and and it comes out whilst they're on tour so there's there's that you know there's those gaps the gaps of mccartney being on or everyone being on holiday while he writes it and then the gap after they um they come back it's recorded and and the album is released and and they've been on tour um, you know, so th these are busy lives that these are um, um, that these boys are leading. It's it, it's just so stunning to think that um, we're still in that period where it's a case of well, let's do this quickly. It's good enough. Oh, and by the way, good enough is just outstanding when compared to everybody else. Well, absolutely, and that that thing about uh, looking forward as well. The the other song this really reminds me of is uh, "I'm Looking Through You," oh. um, which is because it's using exactly the same technique, but the other way around. So instead of it being a minor song with a warm lyric, it's a uh, it's a perky kind of upbeat song, but with a pretty um a pretty dismissive lyric it's it's basically an exact inversion of this song in terms of, and and and, it, and to similar effect i really really like uh, spoilers i really like uh i'm looking through you i think it's a fantastic song but it's it's deriving its drama from exactly the same way that this song does it's the tension between the lyrics pointing in one direction and the music pointing in another 
Um, note this down for future reference. I, I think I'm looking through you is the most monkeys esque the Beatles ever get. Okay, I shall try. I shall Sorry. try and remember to, to, to <laughs> remind you of that when, when we get to rubber salt, but, and then what? But that is a good thing, though. Actually, yeah, I think that. Oh yeah, yeah. no, it's, absolutely, yeah. of course. Ah, okay. So perhaps we ought to sort of start thinking about some of these these other things here um, in relation to to this song. Now, normally I spend quite a bit of time, um, you know, going through cover versions, and I completely forgot this time. But I gather you have. Um, and I've uh, yeah. Okay, so I've been looking down um, just briefly secondhandsongs.com, and there are some interesting names that that crop up. Some huge variations. So, you know, Cliff Richard. <laughs> Cliff Richard in, in December 1966, for example. Um, the King's Singers, which sounds a little bit dodgy. Um, some young upstart in 1990 called Paul McCartney. Dwight Yoakam. And I don't know why in 1993, I don't know what they were doing. I, I'm, I'm going to listen to this after we've recorded. And, and, you know, if I've got anything to add, I'll, I'll send you a little message. Kid Creole and the Flipping Coconuts. I mean, Absolutely. come on. Um, Barbara Dixon, which I know will appeal to you. Um, and also um, a Mr. Um, Bob Dylan in November 2014. Oh, this, is, of course, is alongside all of the, the usual um, people we get, like, you know, Ringo Scar, for example. So what should I be listening to? Um, well, well, the Bob Dylan one is, is interesting. Um, I mean, the 2010s are a strange time for Bob Dylan to be recording just some random... Uh, uh, well, it's not random. It's on the it's on the Art of McCartney album, but um, it's a curious choice. Um, I don't think you would say it was good in any meaningful sense because it kind of sounds like he's taking the piss. Uh, it, it it's a bit, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't quite work. Uh, but it's interesting, I suppose, uh, to hear him singing that material. It's got a weird kind of slightly half-hearted guitar solo at the end as well, uh, which adds precisely nothing and takes away quite a lot. So it's that's curious. Uh, the Barbara Dixon version, uh, noted JG favorite Barbara Dixon, <laughs> lest we lest we forget, um, is really good. It's it's a weird kind of almost sort of trip hoppy version of it. It's it's got very kind of minimal sort of sketchy um, music background, and then just this kind of sort of pretty pure vocal over the top of it. It's a it's a really interesting take. Um, why that was necessary is another question, but it's it's well worth the it's well worth a listen to. Um, the Kick Creole version is exactly what you would expect. <laughs> cover of Things We Said Today by Kick Creole and, as you very much say, the flipping coconuts to sound like. Um, which is to say it's jolly good fun. It's, it's also well worth a listen. Um, but it's an interesting song in that... Um, Okay. It, it is quite flexible in the way that it can be delivered. It's not one of, I mean, we've talked previously in the podcast about um, people who cover Beatles songs who basically just do straight ahead versions because yeah. some of those songs just don't really quite have enough space to do something with. That's not the case with things we said today. The fact that it is obviously, you know, written in the minor key, it's got that kind of melancholy edge to it. it, means that it is one that can be slowed right down without sort of detracting from it, it can be sped up, it can be done electronically, it can be done acoustically, it's a, it's an interesting song 
for people to cover. So it, it, it's worth diving into some okay. of those just, just to have a little listen and, and, and see what can be done with it. I will do. I mean, it's it's a, a surprising one in the sense that there's very few covers from the, the 60s, very few, if you like, contemporary ones. Yeah, most 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 of them are most of them are much more contemporary or much more recent, yeah. I should say. I'm, at full disclosure, I haven't listened to the Cliff Richard one, so I'm unable to offer an opinion on just how bad it is. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, there is a um, on secondhandsongs.com a link to um, a YouTube uh, clip of it, so um, I'll 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 treat myself. I I will treat myself because it's um, yeah that'll be interesting. I, I might also go listen to the Dwight Yoakam one because that's probably as um, exactly what I expect it's going to be. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it is interesting, and maybe that says a lot about how um the Beatles were thought of perhaps in in the 70s as well because there's I mean if this is an exhaustive list um you know there's there's basically nothing from say 67 to, to 77 um not a huge amount after about 81 and then it sort of kicks in again mid 90s when perhaps there was a little bit more of a revival you know CD releases um you know McCartney being lauded by um you know the likes of noel gallagher and you know paul weller so um you know you can uh, an anthology lest we forget yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah but then people you know much as is you know we would have done as well people will find the beatles um in their own way and and i suspect therefore that um that this is one of those songs that that once people get past the known songs and then start diving into things beyond compilations they'll suddenly go ah yeah right and i mean I, I can just sort of think that you know when we get to revolver for example i'll have half a dozen of those um where you know you just imagine listening to them for the first time and you sort of think well actually i'd really like to be able to go back and listen to it for the first time again um you know to, and your bird can sing has been in my head quite a lot recently i really like that um and i just think well you know it it just doesn't sound like anything else i'd heard by the beatles at that point and although i call this son of all my loving it's still something that exists kind of almost perfectly um on its own as well so um yeah so it's it's one of those it's it's not a i hate the term it's not a deep cut um but it is one of those those kind of songs that people discover and and fall in love with um you know once they get a little bit further into the beatles just beyond the um uh the basic compilations i think it's also one of those songs which uh when it comes to it, it, it i presume i mean this is the b-side of uh the single of a hard day's night so presumably it must have been extremely well known in the 60s and it it kind of entered the live show not immediately, but it got there. So it, it's definitely also one that would have been would have been presumably extremely familiar in the sixties. But but maybe as time has moved forward, it's it's kind of fallen. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like we said they they do go on tour um, immediately after um, finishing recording for the album. But of course, this is the tour where they do Scandinavia and um, the Netherlands and and those sorts of places before going off to um, uh, Australia. And this is the tour that they, they start without Ringo. You know, Jimmy um, Jimmy Nickel takes over because Ringo falls ill uh, at the end of um, of recording. So 
although we do get in in the set list for that world tour we do get some songs from um, um a hard day's night actually just played a few times so for example um you know a hard day's night if i fell things we said today i should have known better and i'm happy just to dance with you all make the set list but only a couple of times whereas um i think a hard day's night maybe makes it five times whereas you can't do that is about uh, played about 27 28 times and can't buy me love along with all my loving um, and roll over Beethoven seems to make it into every single set list on the tour. Of course, Can't Buy Me Love was, you know, uh, recorded February um, and, and March. So it had been out as a number one. So it was therefore a very known song and one that they, they would be able to regularly play. So that's that, you know, presumably why it's in there, because I wonder if um, because they weren't playing with Ringo, maybe they deliberately chose to go with um, some much more familiar songs. So you get uh, most played songs, things like All My Love, like I say, All My Love in Rolliver Beethoven, I saw her standing there, she loves you, This Boy, Till There Was You, I Want to Hold Your Hand, Long Tall Sally, um, Twist and Shout. You know, so there's a lot of very familiar songs there that, um, that you know, Jimmy Nickel would have been able to play. But there's not a huge variety. I mean, I've, I've pretty much covered all of the songs that they i mean there's, there's a few other ones that they would have thrown in uh, from time to time that's certainly of course you know the usual caveat um set list um may not be the 100 the most reliable but the ones that are recorded on there you know we don't tend to get many outside of of that kind of core element and actually sort of thinking about um can't buy me love as well what i find interesting looking at a few um of those set lists is the way in which can't buy me love seems to work its way uh it sort of jumps around in the set list but then it seems to work its way towards the end as being something that is is quite climactic whereas if you look at twist and shout twist and shout could quite easily be halfway through as it could be uh towards the end um if it's in there at all um and then it you know thinking about um this as a live song um yeah, things we said today is is kind of different as a live song because it has you know, yeah bear in mind that um you don't see on these these bits of film um that are available you don't see the beatles swapping guitars you know there, there isn't a roadie coming on with an acoustic guitar when you think okay right so we know that john's going to be playing uh things we said today and, and that driving line here or um you know bring an acoustic on or maybe they do but um for um some of the slower numbers for george to do his uh his his solo although and i love her's not on the set list so he would definitely wouldn't have done that um so what you get is is an elect you know the electric guitar driving it and you get um some effects pedals as well especially when you get to the the up tempo sections that, that not just drive it but just add something again a little different there's a little bit of a little bit of reverb on there there's there's a little bit that just sounds punchier and it's a song that that really works for that you know if you go back to what you were saying about covers it really responds to different treatments well that's evident here where you've got the studio version you've got some of the live versions from tours later tours to america and you've also got um, a bbc version uh which is quite somber melancholic it, it's definitely a, a more um um refined and perhaps then 
kind of holding back on it for, for a deliberate reason. And that's one of the things that makes it a great song that you can do so much with. Well, absolutely. And yeah, I think those three kind of different takes on it just by the Beatles alone do do kind of help to to prove that. I, I really like the BBC version. I really like that kind of melancholic edge that it has, that kind of slightly keening air. Um, it's it's really, really effective. But there's something very incisive about the live version as well when it's being driven by the electric. It's a really powerful version. But yeah, the album version is, is phenomenal as well. It's It's such a... It's it, it is pretty much the midpoint between the, the the sort of live on tour version and the live at the BBC version, but they're all great, um, and you can feel the band responding to the different timbres of it um, as they're as they're playing towards a particular audience. It it, it just does make it an incredibly effective little song. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, people talk about um, you know it's like a Beatles sound, and it means different things. I mean, at one point it could almost relate to the the kind of like the jingle jangle guitars of some you know then you've got the the psychedelic um sound which of course just was one album really um you know so it sort of means different things to different people but you know if i was to think of um some of the songs that typify the beatles for me i i i throw something like this in um because it really is sort of reminiscent of lots and lots of different things that the Beatles do almost kind of summed up in in two and a half driving thumping minutes because there's there's links to this say to you know go through to to let it be and two of us for example you know I, I can hear echoes of the way this song was written um you know in this and I know they are substantially different and, and someone would just be like he knows nothing but um you know there's there's a feel to it that that just kind of works and you know, I could probably sort of, you know, give me half an hour. I'll pick out um, another half a dozen songs that, for me, have that same kind of impact and similar sort of rhythm and changes and effects and lyrical nonsense that that I could then sort of put together and say, well, this this is what I mean when I when I say Beatlesy or some other horrific word. Yeah, no, I completely agree, of course. Um, but I think that also that also proves to be a, an apt point and summary for the. For the song itself so do you mean does that mean you don't want me to sit around in silence for half an hour coming up with a list of other songs do you not think our listener would uh, would approve of that i'm sure our listener singular would approve of that absolutely yeah no question about it but uh, okay right but for now hold we need to score for, this hold one on there for half an hour <laughs> <laughs> let's score it let's score it what are you going to give this one? Oh, right okay so decision time um it's beetlesy it's all my loving e it's um i i think i'm gonna go with uh, for me a very high eight out of ten. Eight out of ten excellent good i'm 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 either seven and a half or eight i blah 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 i don't know oh uh, i probably should have thought of this in advance i'm going to give it eight um Thank you. i do Otherwise, really I'll call for your resignation <laughs> Um, yeah, I do really like it. I think it's a, I think it's a great little piece, and 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 I don't know. Is there, is there any point in describing a Beatles song as underrated or underappreciated at this point? There probably isn't because there isn't. I'm sure you know. I mean, people appreciate everything, so probably not. But well, I think uh, no, but I think it is worth it worth saying because obviously there will be those you know classics, and and you know there'll be people who say that you know say Hey Jude is now. Um, overrated but you know people won't hold songs like this in the same esteem as they hold 
you know, say strawberry fields or, you know, even I'm the walrus, maybe. Um, but I think it deserves to be considered alongside a lot of those. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it is. Um, I think it is one that deserves to have a little bit more light shone on it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad that we've been able to do so. Yeah, about 40 minutes of shining. 40 minutes of shining. <laughs> what more could you possibly want from some random Beatles podcast? All right, fine. Let's uh, let's call it there and uh, leave it for now. As mentioned at the start of the episode, you can get a hold of us. Uh, we are Beatlesstuffology at gmail.com and we would really love to hear from you and what you think of the show, what works and what doesn't. You can provide us with the same information should your heart feel that it is drifting in that general direction. On Twitter, we are Beatles underscore ology uh you can find my writing at www.jgmcquarry.scott and andrews at www.stuffology.co.uk also please check out my other podcast which is talking trek to you where a noob and an expert me allegedly go through the original episode series by series sorry episode by episode series by series god i'm gonna be at this forever anyway um please like rate and review us on whatever podcast you're using so that more people can find the show uh, so next episode, of course, we carry on with the second side of A Hard Day's Night, uh, which means we're going to be covering When I Get Home. And as always, we hope you're going to join us for it. But until then, keep listening.